know, death wish, this is all about a death wish. It's a very interesting thing because for much of my life, um, after I got really settled into the corporal punishment school in Australia at nine or so, I used to have this wish to go home. I, I could still occasionally find that vastness that I had experienced until I was eight and a half in Africa, and it was so constant for me that all I wanted to do was to find that place again and even though I could find it in moments I wanted it all the time and so I would think to myself that I um, needed to actually just drop the spacesuit. it was like how could I kill myself how could I throw myself in front of a truck I just wanted to drop the spacesuit because I wanted to be there in this vastness and if you're hearing barking there's a little chihuahua barking next door <laughs> it's having its voice exactly expressing itself expressing itself it's singing in a way. Yes. So I would say if someone has a death wish, it's because they want to come home. It's because they they feel that to really come home to the a wonderful feeling, it's this this life feels too heavy for them. They can't find the breaks. And um, you know, if you take moments, conscious moments when you take little sections of, of meditation where you stop, you put the corners of your lips up, you feel your hands and then you're going to, and you breathe and you just drop into that space or you look at a cloud yes. and you drop into that space. That's you don't the vastness, have to drop the oneness that you're, mm-hmm. that you often refer to. That's the, that's home. Yes, that's home and, and all death wishes because having gone through it, the only reason I never did kill myself as, as a teenager in her early 20s was that I always wondered what, I always thought what my parents would do I knew that they would suffer so terribly so I'd be figuring out how to do it and then I would go mm. but mum and dad would have to go through all that, someone would have to find me and I said no, nah, I'm not going to do it and then then uh, when I left and I was going through Europe on my year of travel um, in the you know in the trains and things I started to find more moments of the wholeness again yeah. and that's when it started to lift out of wanting to leave the spacesuit to you know to like um, have this death wish to being able to find it in my day it seems like so the death wish really came upon you in that the depressing school years in Australia? Yeah, it was like, um, there were two things, I think. Uh, the first thing is when I, up until eight and a half, I lived it mostly in my right brain, just dancing. My parents really didn't have any rules for me anyway. My other three older sisters are different probably, but um, I was allowed to dance. I was allowed to play. I didn't really have to learn unless I wanted to. I was accepted and loved. And, um, and that your was, brothers and sisters thought you were spoiled rotten. My sisters. <laughs> well, they spoiled me rotten yeah. too. Oh, how wonderful. They, but they three three older sisters. Um, so then when I got to Australia, they stuck me behind. You know, this was free. We 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 could do as long as we weren't allowed to go too far because we were in a dangerous place. But um, you know, then I they put me in school in Australia, and they didn't really know. They were struggling to try to establish themselves in a new country, and they they put us behind a desk, which was like a jail for me to start. As I couldn't move, I wasn't allowed. If I moved, you got slapped. If the boys got cane there was teachers shouting and criticizing you and it was like I was I felt afterward looking back at it it felt like I was trapped in a prison and because of that I I went inwards and started to 
go into the place but because I started to have so many post-its on me you're an idiot you've got fluffy hair you've got <laughs> there was no conditioner in What's Australia at the you? time right you got fluffy hair <laughs> yeah I remember the, 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 the head of the school saying Miss Turner you put your hat on if you can get out of that hair of yours <gasps> But, you know, I think I thought it was funny at the moment. But there were lots of things that they were deriding things that they would say about us. And so I ended up with so many post-its on me, accepting them, of course, that what it did was I couldn't, because I didn't have any tools to know how to work with it. You know, my dad helped me with the intellectual thing, taking that somewhat, which is like, you've got a different brain, don't worry about what people say about you, but uh, the other stuff we didn't talk about everything at home and about emotions so it was just, I just slowly, it was like, a, I equate it like a mud covering the Africa feeling, yeah. I call it the Africa feeling because yeah. the Africa feeling was the vastness that I had as a kid and then slowly this mud of the post-its covered me up, I couldn't find it and so the natural thing was for me to want to go home I wanted to go back yeah. to the Africa feeling. Yeah. But I didn't know how. I was living in this caged environment, as far as I could see. The only way would be to leave the spacesuit, because I knew it was inside me for a bit. And I think that's how most of us who have had a desire, a death wish, feel. It may not always be conscious. A lot of times, most of the times, it's probably not conscious, because not many people were eight and a half when they consciously had to leave that space. Yeah. But it must have, at being eight and a half, probably affected you greater than if you were 15 and a half. Or five. Had, or five. Because yeah. I, Bob, when he went to school, my husband, he was excited to go to school. And, he, you know, he went to school. He, he got there. He came back the next morning. His mom got him up and she said, time to go to school. He said, I already went. But, <laughs> it was like, that's enough of that. I, I tried wanna, that. Right. Not for me. <laughs> Boy, yeah, no, school wasn't for me either. But... Yeah. So I think so, that's the death wish, as far as for me, that's what. Wishing to go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what it can do is this, and this is you've seen this, I'm sure, with people you've counseled, is that if we do it enough, we start taking out the energy from the physical body, and the physical body starts to suffer. It's like the great masters, like Osho or Paramahansa Yogananda, they were so much out into the vastness that there wasn't much that was whole it's like their energy wasn't in the body much so the body didn't so they both died real young but there 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 wasn't much holding the body to this planet the spacesuit yeah. wasn't being anchored into the earth with their consciousness they were in the vastness all the time and it happens a lot with with you know people who are in the space all the time they struggle to to keep a body and to keep a healthy body Wow, so that's interesting. That makes me think of an, have another question. Little thought to ask um, is: so the Tibetans or mm. those that study Tibetan Buddhism, um, I know a man who's from a Western culture that studied the Tibetan Buddhism and actually became a Lama. Mm meditated in a cave for seven years. You know how they do that for seven or eight years and they're brought food. Um, by the time I met him, he suffered greatly from depression. Because mm, yeah, the bridge wasn't there. 
Yeah. See, the, it's interesting because for he me... He had several marriages and was just terribly depressed. The, the problem that I find with the Native Americans trying to, or any of the indigenous cultures to come into this culture, which is so fast and so mental, is that there aren't enough bridges to help them to cross from one to the other. So they tend to have swings which is swing into their incredible teachings and learning and their amazingness, and then trying to come into this Western culture where they sometimes can't cope very well, so they use things to cope. And there's, the, whether it's indigenous culture, whether it's me coming from Africa, from the Africa feeling to school, whether it is um, people who go and sit in a cave, there, there aren't... There aren't, they don't have the bridge. They I, can't I, link the I two. Would, I, I would think, or this is where I would be drawn to at the end of my life, to go meditate in a cave and be brought food and then just transition as I, as, as the body sloughs off its space suit. Well, Rather all, than being young and then seven years of that and then trying to transition transfer into the biggest the bigger world That's, but don't you think be hard but don't you think it's also there were several things back when he did it in the probably 60s 70s or even 80s it was very fashionable to to do deep eastern meditation yeah. and i'm not trying to cut that at all it's an amazing thing i did it for 12 years um, but the problem for me when i did eastern meditation is i could go out so far into the vastness is that i'd come back and it would make me more depressed because i couldn't work out how can i keep that space and come into this world that appears so crazy when i come into it it was like going from you know from a, a, somewhere way out in nature into Manhattan. I mean, you know, it's like the, the, it was like too shocking coming out. So I stopped Eastern meditation for myself. And I started to find moments of meditation through the day because that way I could feel feel it, but I didn't, get, didn't have a gap between the two. Yeah, I had um, coming back from Sundance in South Dakota. It was always like a few months, you know, Mm-hmm. living out in nature and doing the sacred work and the dance and the music and the music, the drum, the s- sacred songs. And driving back to California from South Dakota, I could hear the sacred songs going in my... in my. I could hear the drum as loud as it was then. I get back towards L.A. and I am so out in the connectedness to all things that I couldn't deal with the traffic and the anger and the beeping and the people shouting and yelling. It was, and I remember calling my Chubbs Black Bear back in the res that I got in, but I said, I can't can't go, I can't go out there. I I cannot, it's so angry out there. And he said, You've been walking on sacred earth, celebrating sacred earth. You're in a land of concrete. The sacred earth is underneath it. It needs you to get out there and share, just 
the energy that you bring to that. Don't close yourself away from it. Go out there. That's why you're carrying that energy. And I think the heart is the key. Yeah, right. Exactly. If you could breathe through your heart and realize that the earth is deeply... Yeah, I, I can remember... And see through the heart, too. Because mm-hmm. when I talk about the mind's eye, to me, that's the, the eye of, of the heart that sees the, the connection. Yeah, and I and I, I that is a great that is a good bridge. What he mentioned there, it's like how can I bridge these two worlds, and that is where I think the the desire for death comes from. It's like not being able to bridge the two worlds. So you know, as we go along, we'll talk about more keys. But I think for me, moments of meditation became a bridge, yeah. so that I wasn't in this vastness and then in the craziness because I was teaching and singing, and vastness and then in the craziness which I couldn't balance. But the moments of meditation allowed me to hold it more and be in both places at once. And I think uh, we have to find whatever bridge seek for the bridge that enables us to be in this world but also have access to the vastness and the wholeness throughout our day, not as a separation. You're so good. You're so smart. Well, you're so smart. (laughs) First Drive Radio. First Drive Radio.